You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. not sure what uh, tomorrow night will bring. Uh, we've been doing our Monday night uh, study uh, prayer time through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, so d- depending on the weather, uh, we'll be here tomorrow night at 6.30. It may just be me, but that's okay. Uh, so we're going to be here 6.30, uh, and we're going to be focusing on chapter 4. So if you've not yet been able to kind of get into that, you're not too far behind. You can still catch up uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. And um, I've been so encouraged by just the turnout. I've been really encouraged by what I'm hearing people share as God's kind of speaking uh, to them through that. I think all of us are kind of seeing, we're hearing some really significant uh, insights uh, that will be helpful as we kind of just continue to move through uh, that study and again, just kind of discerning what it is that God has for us as a church, our vision uh, here at Praise going forward. So we're using, again, Monday nights and we're kind of just uh, pursuing God's heart, his plans, his visions, his purposes uh, for us and for this church. And just as God had a plan, he had a vision, a purpose for Nehemiah, uh, for the Jewish people uh, at that time in rebuilding and restoring those walls there in Jerusalem, I I also believe that God has a plan, a purpose, a vision for us individually, for us corporately uh, as a church. And I just believe that God is going to use this to really begin to speak to us, to speak to our leadership, to reveal his heart, again, to reveal that vision, those plans, those purposes that he has for us. And again, I just want to encourage you, just come and be a part of what God's doing here uh, on Monday night. This morning, I want to kind of just talk a little bit about what is happening uh, there in Nehemiah chapter 4, and I wanted to just kind of use that to kind of, uh, as a platform, to kind of begin to talk about some things that were happening there in Jeremiah chapter 4, because I think there are some things that God wants us to glean there from chapter 4, because it may be a part of something God is really trying to do here as well. So I want to just take just very, very quickly... um, If you are not familiar with the story of Nehemiah, I just want to give you kind of a brief overview of that, what God is calling Nehemiah to do. And it really kind of begins, the story of Nehemiah begins as he's kind of living there uh, in Persia. And he's been taken there at some point uh, when you know, the, the Babylonians kind of came in and they captured uh, Jerusalem, they took siege, they captured it, and, and they kind of took uh, the upper echelon, um, kind of the cream of the crop of the people, and they uh, enslaved them and take them back to Babylon. And, and Nehemiah uh, is one of those, he's living there in Persia, he's serving as a cupbearer uh, to the king, and there comes a point where someone travels from Jerusalem to uh, where Nehemiah is there in Babylon, and Nehemiah inquires, how are things in Jerusalem? And Hananiah kind of begins to give Nehemiah a report of the things that are happening there, and one of the things he talks about is just the continued ruination of the walls around Jerusalem. And so as Nehemiah hears this report, his heart is grieved, and he just believes that God wants him to do something to rebuild and to restore the walls there in Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of other, you know, details and things that are happening, but just trying to give you a big uh, 
big view picture of what God is doing there. So this morning, I really want to focus on one particular storyline that really kind of starts to unfold in a, in a greater way there in chapter four. And it kind of revolves around three characters or three groups of people. They are Sanballat, it is Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab. Now we first meet these three men at the very end of chapter two. After Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, there comes a point to where he kind of begins to walk around and he's taking a survey and he's looking at all of the damage, the ruination, uh, the destroyed walls and gates of Jerusalem. And then the Jewish people, at, at some point, Nehemiah just kind of announces to them, God has given me a vision to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And the other Jews who are there with him, uh, they begin to become very excited. They're enthusiastic about what Nehemiah wants to do, what God is calling them to do. So in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19, it captures the response of these men to Nehemiah's announcement, we're rebuilding the walls. Now I want you to listen to this. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked and despised us, the Jewish people, Nehemiah, and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king or aren't you rebelling against the king? Now, little did they know the king they are referring to is the same king that gives Nehemiah his blessing and his permission to return to Jerusalem and to do what Nehemiah is setting out to do. So again, you kind of see the initial reaction to what Nehemiah is attempting to do, what God is calling him to do in rebuilding and restoring the walls around Jerusalem. So we come to Nehemiah chapter three, and there you kind of find all the people. I talked a little bit about that last week. You find all the you know, leaders, the families, the people, and it kind of talks about the different parts of the wall, the places that they are rebuilding and restoring. Um, and again, it's indicating to us the work has begun. Now, when you get to chapter four of Nehemiah, I want you just to listen to what it says there, beginning in verse one. Now, it came about that when Sandalit heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for Jerusalem, for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? So again, you just, you hear the mocking uh, of him. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. So again, you just hear, the, the, again, the mocking uh, of what they're doing. So the work on the wall continues and, and verse six says, so we, the Jewish people, built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind 
to work. So like I said, in chapter three, you've got all of these different families and leaders and ministries that are working, and they're working on a particular section of the wall. This one is working on a particular section. Everybody is working on a particular section of the wall. Everyone is working, and, and what ends up happening is all these sections start getting done, and they're starting to connect, and it's forming this whole wall around the city of Jerusalem. So they're halfway done, okay? And verse seven, again, records the reaction of these men. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang with me, okay? Now, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Parasites, the Termites, and the Ashdodites, <laughs> oh, wait, that's not in there. Um, when they heard that the repair of the wall in Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches, again, these openings, as these breaches began to be closed, they began to come together, they're forming a solid wall. They were very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and cause a disturbance in it. Now, I just want you just to kind of see the progression of emotions here. They start at the end of chapter two, these, these men, and they're just angry and they're kind of just mocking Nehemiah and the other Jewish leaders for their plans to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And then in chapter four, as the work is halfway done, um, there's not just anger and mocking. It is now progressed. It is now moved to the threat of violence in order to stop their progress. And again, you kind of see this progression of emotions, this negative emotion is building. Now, why are these men so angry about the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem? Because their turf is being taken from them. Up to this point, they pretty much had unfettered access into Jerusalem. They could come and go as they pleased. They could allow others to freely come and go as they pleased, do whatever they wanted to do, and nobody was going to stop them. Nobody was going to say a word. Now, once the walls were rebuilt, once the gates are restored, the Jews would now once again decide, who comes and who goes? Who has access to the city of Jerusalem? Who doesn't? They're going to begin to start controlling the things that are happening in the city of Jerusalem. And these foreigners, these non-Jewish people, they didn't like what was happening. They become angry and they are determined to do whatever they have to do to stop the Jewish people from making any more progress. That's why at the very, very end of chapter 1, when they first reacted to Nehemiah's plan to rebuild the wall, you remember they kind of started mocking Nehemiah and questioning him there in chapter one. And you see in chapter one, verse 20, the very, very end there, uh, Nehemiah says this to them, you have no portion, no right or memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, Nehemiah tells them, Jerusalem has never been nor is it now, nor will it ever be yours to do with whatever you want. It doesn't belong to you. You have no right here. You have no stake. You have no place in Jerusalem. It belongs to the Jewish people, and it was given to us by our God, Jehovah. Now, what Nehemiah basically is saying to them is what we would call fighting words, okay? 
Now, what Nehemiah and the Jewish nation faces there is the same thing the nation of Israel faces today from her enemies. And that is, there is an anger. There's a bitterness. There are threats of violence. There is violence being committed against the nation of Israel. Because people continue to say that land belongs to us. And the nation of Israel continues to say what Nehemiah says, you have no stake, you have no portion, you have no place in Jerusalem. It is ours, given to us by God. And I don't want to get sidetracked, but can you see some of the same parallels that are happening, unfolding in the story of Nehemiah happening in this country today when we're talking about building a wall? I don't want to get sidetracked by that, but many of the same issues they were fighting, the mentalities, the emotion that they were encountering and fighting against there, it's the same thing we're facing today in this country to build a wall along our southern border. And the Jews, they were rebuilding those walls in Jerusalem to protect themselves, to protect their temple, to protect their people from the threat of violence from enemies to control who is and who is not going in and out of their land. That same wall or a wall just like it needs to be built along the southern border of this country for the same exact reasons. Again, I don't want to get sidetracked by that issue. I just think the similarities are striking. So what you hear in the response of these men toward Nehemiah and toward the Jewish people and leaders who are rebuilding and restoring the walls in Jerusalem, it's just bitterness. Now, bitterness, I I, I found this definition of bitterness and I thought, I like that. This is a good definition of bitterness. Bitterness is simply unresolved anger that is allowed to ferment. Bitterness is unresolved, undealt with anger that's just kind of allowed to sit, to simmer, and just to kind of ferment. When you or I, when we become angry about something or someone, and that anger is kind of just allowed to sit inside and to stew and to simmer and to ferment, that anger is eventually just going to grow and it is going to become bitterness. And bitterness is one of the most toxic and destructive of human emotion. I believe bitterness really has the potential to drive people to do violent things. And we see that in the story of Nehemiah. Last week, I was listening to a recent teaching of Bill Johnson's, and Bill is the pastor in uh, Bethel uh, Church in Redding, California, and he was teaching on the subject of bitterness. And this was a teaching that I listened to four times. I don't listen to anything four times, uh, except my wife. Um, and, but I don't ever listen to anything four times, but there were just some things in what Bill was talking about that really struck a chord in me. And it was one of those messages where I kind of just said to myself, I need to own that message. There's something in that message God wants me uh, to hear, not just for me personally, but I also feel like it's something God wants me to share uh, with you this morning. So I'm just going to share kind of a few of the things that, that Bill talked about 
um, in bitterness. Um, because I believe uh, that we need to just, again, be careful. We need to kind of guard our hearts. We need to just be aware of the uh, power, uh, the destructive force of bitterness. One of the things that Bill talked about in his teaching on bitterness is, is that bitterness in one will defile many. Bitterness in one person, it will kind of begin to affect and it will begin to kind of defile other people. Now, that, that's true. Again, we see that in the story of Nehemiah, don't we? Again, bitterness is very, very contagious. It is easily passed from one person to the next. Because see, at the end of chapter one, you got three men who were angry. Three men who are taunting and mocking Nehemiah and the Jewish leaders. By the time you get to chapter four, this anger, this bitterness has now grown and it has spread to the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashadites. Again, that the anger and mocking in chapter two has now fermented into bitterness and threats of violence. Um, and so by chapter four, it's gone from just three men to whole tribes of people. They're angry and they're bitter because of one thing. The walls around Jerusalem are being rebuilt, they're being restored, and these, these foreigners, these enemies of the Jewish people did not want it to happen. And they're going to do everything that they can to discourage, to disrupt the rebuilding and restoring of the walls around Jerusalem. They're going to do whatever they have to do to shut down the vision that God has given to Nehemiah. And again, that is one of the side effects of anger and bitterness. You will start to come against people. When you're angry and bitter, you're gonna start coming against the things that God wants to do, whether it's in your life, in the life of other people. Bitterness will start in one person. And if it is not dealt with, it will begin to spread to many. We've all seen that before, right? One person gets angry about something. And then they go to another person and they tell them. And then that person takes on the offense of that person and they too become angry. And, and instead of just one, now you got two. And then they go from one person to another to another. And pretty soon it's no longer just one or two people who are angry and bitter. It's a whole tribe of people who are angry and bitter. See, Jim can be angry and bitter about something, and I can go to Jim, and, I can, and Jim can tell me what it is that's making him angry and bitter, and I can take that offense on. Even though it hasn't been done to me, it's been done to Jim, therefore, I'm just going to take on Jim's offense, Jim's anger, Jim's bitterness about what was done to him and I'm going to go and I'm going to spread that to others. And so it's, again, we see how one person's anger, bitterness can spread and defile others. That's how it works. Now, Bill Johnson made this observation. Much of what you see and hear in the media, the news media today, is through the spirit of bitterness. Much of what you see and hear today in the news media is through the spirit of bitterness. Many of those in the news media, folks, whether it's Democrat or Republicans, whether you're a libertarian and an independent, I don't care how you describe yourself here this morning. Whether you like the people that are speaking or you don't like the people who are reporting, just stop. And as objectively as you can, just stop and listen to what they're saying. 
And a lot of what is being said today in the news media is through the spirit of anger and bitterness. And we have got to guard our hearts against that. Because again, it's very easy for us to take that spirit of anger and bitterness on ourselves. Bitterness is contagious. Again, look at the story this past week involving the boys from Covington Catholic School in Kentucky. This is, this is a stain on our nation that needs to go away. They were part of the March for Life in Washington, D.C. If you're not familiar with the story, over a week ago, the news media reported last Monday that several of the boys had surrounded and started mocking that man there in the picture, a Native American veteran. There was this highly edited, the picture you're looking there, highly edited picture, highly edited video that seemed to kind of substantiate all of this. And the way it was being reported in the news media was how horrible I mean, deplorable and cruel. Uh, these boys were, uh, and you had, uh, again, how they were reacting and acting toward this Native American uh, veteran. And again, you had TV, you had news, you had people on Facebook, you had people on Twitter. Every form of social media were out there advocating threats and violence against these boys, their school, their family, the places their parents worked. One, one, one reporter, a, a supposed to be objective reporter, looked at that picture, looked at that 16-year-old boy and said, isn't that one of the most punchable faces you've ever seen? People were offering to give sexual favors if someone would take a picture of them punching the 16-year-old boy in the face. One prominent person uh, in, in media went so far as to suggest all these boys be fed through wood chippers. Now don't tell me that that bitterness, that that, that, that comes out of, that, that comes out of a spirit of bitterness. And as people hear, as people process that, don't tell me that that spirit of bitterness does not begin to come upon other people. It does. And you just saw this hatred, threats of violence just grow across this nation against children. If you've been following the story at all, you'll know that there was a full two-hour video that was released. It captured everything, and it told a completely different story. The aggressor was not these children. The aggressor was that Native American man. And again, my point being the anger, the bitterness over this just spread like wildfire. Bitterness is contagious. If you're not careful, if you don't guard your heart against this, you are going to get swept up and swept away with this stuff. One of the things I'm trying personally, myself, is to be more mindful and aware that as I'm processing news, as I'm listening to news, to reporters, to make sure I am not being caught up, that I am not taking on any spirit of bitterness and anger, whether I agree with what they're saying or not. 
You ever just read or hear a story and you just get so mad? I do. Chances are you may be in the process of taking on that anger, that spirit of bitterness through which is being reported. So I just feel like God is just saying, Jeff, guard your heart, guard your heart. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, he says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Paul's saying, you know what? It's all right to be angry. Anger is an emotion all of us have felt. It's an emotion we'll feel again. It's not an emotion that we need to deny or act like it isn't there. But there are times where anger is an appropriate response. There are times where we see injustices being done uh, against people and we need to be angry. There are times when we see people who are being hurt or they're being denied justice and we need to be angry and we need to allow that anger to to propel us, to drive us, to work toward righting those wrongs, not taking that anger and allowing it to drive us into sinful reactions or behaviors. And Paul says you also don't allow that anger to remain unresolved. For too long, Paul says, don't allow the sun. And I think Paul's being literal here. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go on, go down without resolving your anger because unresolved anger over time left unresolved will ferment and become bitterness. And it is bitterness that will give the devil a great opportunity to do tremendous damage to both you and to those that anger and bitterness is directed toward. Bitterness will continue, it will uh, to spread, it will defile many because bitterness is contagious. One other statement that Bill made in regards to bitterness was, bitterness is an attachment to the past. These are all things that, you know, just Bill would make a statement, I would stop, pause, and just, okay, God, what are you saying here? Is there something I need to take away from this? Bitterness is tied to, it is anchored to, it is something uh, to something in the past. Again, we see this in the story of Nehemiah, don't we? The walls that surrounded, protected the city of Jerusalem, they have been lying in ruins. They have been broken down for about 150 years. So for 150 years, the enemies of Jerusalem, the enemies of the Jewish nation have been allowed to come and to go and to do whatever they wanted to do. And now Nehemiah is about to put a stop to all of that. And they become angry and eventually bitter. And they allow that anger and bitterness uh, again to drive them toward violence and threats of violence. What once was theirs is no longer theirs. Their control of the land is being taken away. They become angry and bitter because it's tied to something in the past. Their bitterness is an attachment to something that once was and no longer is. So I stopped. And I said, okay, are there events things that I just continue to replay over and over and over and over in my mind? Are there negative events, people that I just keep replaying over and over and over again? Do you realize that is an attachment to the past and that attachment may be rooted in bitterness? 
So I had to stop and think, okay, what are the things I keep replaying, rehearsing in my life? And God, show me, is there bitterness? Is there anger that is attached to that that needs to be dealt with? One final thing. Bill said the spirit of bitterness will enable you to become offended easily. The spirit of bitterness will allow you to become offended easily. Guard your heart against the contamination of someone else's bitterness. So for me, and I'm just talking about myself here, not pointing fingers at anybody I'm talking to me, and you're just sitting there listening to me talk to me, okay? You take this, you process it in whatever way you'd like. If none of this is relevant to you, praise God. But for me, this really provided an opportunity, a much-needed opportunity for me to do some internal inventory. Am I easily offended? Am I continually offended by something or someone Am I perpetually walking in a spirit of offense? I hear this all the time from Christians, non-Christians. I'm so offended. I'm so offended. I'm so offended. If that's you, there might possibly, potentially be something, a spirit of bitterness or anger that's at work there that needs to be dealt with. Anytime you are easily offended and triggered by something or someone, what you may be reacting to is not so much that person or that issue, it may be the spirit of anger and bitterness within you. Or if you know someone or you're around someone who always just seems to be offended about anything and everything, you just need to be careful because there may be a spirit of bitterness in that person and it may be affecting, it may be defiling, it may be spreading to you. So I, I just put that out there for you and you do whatever you feel uh, God would like you to do with that. Now I'm gonna close here and I'm gonna tread as lightly as I can here. And I was, you know, this is one of those fear and trepidation moments where you're like, do I go here, do I not? In Nehemiah's story, there were people who had a very vested interest in making sure God's vision for Jerusalem never came to pass. There were people in the story of Nehemiah who became angry. That anger fermented into bitterness. And they mocked them. They were willing to resort to violence, if necessary, towards Nehemiah and other Jews just to keep God's vision from coming to pass. Again, much of this, it's just motivated. It comes out of a spirit of bitterness. It comes out of a spirit of anger. Again, it's connecting something to the past out of a spirit of unforgiveness. As we move forward, individually, as a congregation, as we are, again, just kind of in that process of discerning, of discovering, implementing God's will, God's vision, God's plans, his purpose for our church, there are going to be people out there who are going to do and say whatever they think they have to say or do to discourage 
and to disrupt us from rebuilding this church. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I don't have anybody in mind. I'm not pointing any fingers. I am just cautioning us as people, as a congregation, moving forward. We are gonna have to guard our hearts against those who will try to come against what God is doing here for whatever reason. And our response in the midst of that should be the same response of the people who were rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And I want you just to take notice of something in Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, we rebuilt the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height because the people had a mind to work. Some translations, I like a better translation, says some of the people had a heart to work. He's saying that the people's hearts, it was completely in this. They were completely invested in doing what God called them to do. They were completely invested in rebuilding and restoring the walls around Jerusalem. And they were determined that nothing anybody said, nothing anybody did was going to deter that. It wasn't going to stop it. It was not going to slow them down because they had a mind and a heart to do what God had called them to do. This is the kind of determination, this is the kind of commitment we are going to need as we move forward. The people, they heard the things that were being said. They heard the threats, but they were determined to not listen to them. They didn't respond to them. They did not let it deter or slow them down from what they were doing. They were diligent, they were steadfast, they were focused, they were committed. The same needs to be true for us. Let me just end there. I have more to say, but I've, I've said enough. Let's stand. I believe God wants to deal with the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of anger, spirit of unforgiveness um, in us individually, and I believe in us uh, as a congregation. So let me just ask you what I ask me. As you think about things in, in your past, as you kind of replay, as you kind of rehearse things in your past, and it may be things that kind of involved uh, some negative things, maybe some things that, that people said, listen, I, I'm walking this out, folks. Last Sunday in between services, someone came up to me, got in my face, and accused me of being a false prophet. Monday morning, I get a letter in the mail from a woman who calls me the evil one. Now, I'm telling you, all that stuff came out of a spirit of bitterness, came out of a spirit of unforgiveness. It came out of a spirit of anger. And there was a reason God had me listen to that message four times before all that unfolded on Sunday, because I knew what I needed to know. I'm not going to walk in that. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to allow that to deter me. I'm not going to allow that to get me off focus. I'm just telling you that kind of stuff will continue to come against me, against you, against this church. And we just got to resolve in our heart. It's not going to stop us. 
It's not going to slow us down. It's not going to deter us. Maybe you're here this morning. You just get easily offended. It would have been very easy for me to become offended. I'm not going to tell you it didn't bother me. It bothered me. I didn't like that. I would have preferred not to have had any of that happen. But I'm not going to allow it to deter what I'm doing, where I'm going, doing what God's called me to do, our church. So maybe you're here and you're just someone that you're just easily offended. That may, that possibly might be a root of bitterness that's driving a lot of that. And all you need to do is just say, God, create in me a clean heart. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, he says, get rid of it. Put, put away bitterness, anger, slander. Get rid of it. It's not gonna do you any good. So maybe this morning there's just for you as, as there is for me just an opportunity for you just to say, God, you see my heart. God, you know what's going on inside of me. And maybe this morning, there's just something that God needs to deal with in that area of unresolved anger. Maybe there is bitterness. Maybe there's unforgiveness. And what I want to encourage you to do this morning, again, is just come before God, open your heart, and just ask God, God, look within. Look at my heart. See if there be, I love the scripture say, see if there be any wicked way in me. And that God, you would be committed to just delivering us, freeing us from any of that anger, that bitterness that may be driving us, maybe driving our, our uh, being tied to things in the past that may be driving uh, the fact that we get offended easily, maybe driving the fact that as we're looking and, and we're reading and hearing news that God, it just, it, it just creates in us a spirit of anger and bitterness. And God, we know that that is not of you. So God, we wanna be able to walk. We wanna be able to walk fully clean, I love what the scripture says, just upright. That God, we're not gonna be defiled by any of this. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for, for what you're doing to bring awareness to my heart. For bringing deliverance in my heart. And Father, I just pray, if you're here this morning, again, just every eye closed. Again, this, this is about what God's speaking to you. This is about what God's doing in you, not your neighbor. So I just, I just ask you to you know, close your eyes. And if you're here this morning and you're just saying, you know, God, I, I've had those times, those moments recently where I, I've been in anger and, and maybe that anger is fermented into bitterness and, and God, it, it, it drives me to certain uh, ways of behaving that are not glorifying to you. If that's you this morning, I just simply want you to raise your hand. All I'm asking you to do this morning while you're raising your hand is just saying, God created me a clean heart. God, help me, give me the, the power, the discernment to be able to guard my heart against that spirit of bitterness, that spirit of anger, that spirit of unforgiveness. Father, that I can walk with a clean heart, that God, I can rejoice uh, in, the, in the joy of my salvation, of your salvation, Father. That Lord, you would help us to get rid of and to stay rid of all bitterness, anger, slander, uh, anything that would defile us, God. The Lord, we wanna walk before you 
holy, and I mean H-O-L-Y, holy, and wholly yours, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely yours, holy and holy before you, Father. So Lord, I just pray again that, that we would just, uh, like Nehemiah, that Father, we would erect a wall around this church. And that, Father, that wall, it's just not, we're not going to allow the spirit of bitterness. We're not going to allow the spirit of anger and unforgiveness to come into this church to affect your vision, to deter us, to slow us down. And, Father, we we just, we want to commit to that. We want to walk in that. We just thank you, Lord, for your power, your presence to be able to do all of that and so much more in us and through us that the spirit of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the joy of Jesus would just be evident within us that it would shine through in everything we say and do, Father. We thank you for that. That is your heart for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I just wanna encourage you this morning. How many, how many know how long it took them to rebuild the wall in Nehemiah? And you can't answer, Callie. <laughs> 52 years. Days. 52 days to rebuild all of those walls around Jerusalem. Now let me tell you what. I know if those people had given in and they had taken on and walked in that spirit of bitterness, of anger, and unforgiveness. Anybody want to take a stab at how many years it would have taken them to complete that wall? 52 years. Why do we know that? Because the nation of Israel, remember when they were wandering in the wilderness? It was supposed to be a 40-day journey. Because of their grumbling, their rebelling, their complaining against God, against the leadership, what did it turn into? 40 years. I'm not going to be here in 40 years, and neither are many of you. So I want to get to what it is God wants to do, and I want to get to it as soon as possible. Amen? Amen. I just invite you this morning again as we just, again, we're just confessing. We're just asking God's forgiveness. That's what communion is all about. It's a reminder that as we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I just invite you this morning as we close in worship, just to cement uh, this deal, this prayer with God this morning. I am not gonna give in. I'm not gonna walk in a spirit of bitterness, of anger, of unforgiveness. So this morning, as you take that bread, dip that in the juice, thank God for his deliverance, both now and going forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.